So we are continuing the series that we started on January 1st as we started off 2023 and just looking at why we do what we do. And as a church, at Faith Journey Church, our, our vision statement of joining the journey and, and what does that mean of what is the journey of faith. And again, on that first day, we looked at the Great Commission and the Grace Commandments and the, the uh, biblical definition of discipleship found in Romans 12 and, and how, again, as a church, we desire to be a church that is good at evangelism, at spreading the good news of Christ, and good at discipleship, but helping people grow in their faith every day and get closer and closer to Christ, to be transformed by His Spirit. You know, we looked on that day at our main strategy and just the five stops on the faith journey that we see. It are just kind of phases we go through in our growth in Christ and, and how we can move forward in our journey every day as we continue to move closer and closer to Christ and be transformed by his spirit. And then uh, after that, then last week, we started looking at our four core values. Okay, um, and, and last week, we started with core value number one, uh, and that one is number one for a reason. Again, I gave you this challenge last week uh, to actually... Um, contemplate this last week about what is the true destination of your life. Is it Jesus Christ or is it something else? Right, because there's lots of things in this world to live for. There's lots of things that we live for, right? We can have, even um, have Jesus a part of our lives, right, but not be number one. Right? And to say, what is the true destination of your life? And again, I hope that you did that. I hope that you you know, contemplated that in prayer and thought about and just evaluated your, your, your time and your thoughts and, and again, your resources, right? And, and what, what are you putting into your faith? And, and is it truly about Jesus or is it about something else? And, and again, as we looked at that, we know, again, these core values, we've, we've decided, again, as a church, as a faith community, that these things will always be true. Right? They are core to who we are, core to our beliefs, and saying that it is, num- first and foremost, number one, about Jesus. Right? That he is the author and perfecter of our faith. He is our example to follow. Right? He was 100% God and the Messiah. He was also 100% human, right? and that he, he experienced everything we experience. And again, as we look at the core values, right, we know as a church, even as we look at our world and our, our culture, we know that it's constantly changing around us. Right? The only thing that doesn't change is the fact that everything is changing. Right? And yet, we, as we see that, we know, again, that these will always be true for us as, as a church, as a congregation, as a body of believers, right? as the body of Christ. And again, that first core value, right? that Jesus Christ is the destination of our journey. And then the, the second core value is the one we're going to look at today. And core value number two is that Scripture is our foundation and roadmap for our journey. Okay, the scriptures are foundation and our roadmap. Okay, and, and when we think about that, I just want to start off with just the word, even just the word scripture. Okay, because in fact, if you look at the different world religions and even the different kind of offshoots of, of Christianity and of uh, whatever it is, right, you think about it, you, it, first and foremost comes down to how you define Jesus. Okay, and, and that's the gig, right? How you define Jesus. In fact, every world religion has a definition of Jesus. Again, is, is he the Messiah? Is he divine, right? Is he a part of, of the Holy Trinity? All those kind of things, right? Who is Jesus? The, the, the second thing, right, that sets everywhere religion apart is what you believe is Scripture. Okay, what, what are the holy documents? And again, I think when you look through that, right, and why are they Scripture? In fact, when you look at, um, again, the major world religions, right, any, any different, right, is it, is it the Bible, Right? And even what parts of the Bible are divinely inspired and what aren't, right? What is included in the Bible? 
And again, are there other books, right, that we consider Scripture other than the Bible? And to say again, that is one of the core doctrines for us is that the Bible is the divinely inspired Word of God, right? It is Scripture and is authoritative in our lives and only the Bible. Hey, that we're not following other, you know, creeds, other documents, other books, right? They're, and again, they might be helpful in our lives or even helpful in how we understand God and those kind of things, but they're not Scripture. Okay, and that the Bible is what we define as Scripture. Okay, and, and we say that, that we stand on the Bible, that the Bible is our foundation. Okay, and, and with that said, is, is it's important for us, right, that our foundation is solid. Okay, because the reality is, um, again, as we said, everything's moving around us, right? And everything's changing. And even as our culture shifts of what is right and wrong and what is truth and all these kind of things, right? We believe that this is our definition of truth. Okay, because if our foundation, it becomes faulty, right? Just as we see in this, you know, interesting picture of a house, right? Is that, that part of the house, if the foundation breaks, there is all kinds of ramifications to that. Okay, just looking at the house as the example, right, is if the foundation of the house gets compromised, okay, then there's parts of the floor that starts to sag, right? You start to see cracks in the walls, okay? The, the roof starts to take on a different thing, right? The doors don't fit right, right? They don't stay, um, they're not level anymore, right? I mean, you feel like you walk out of the kitchen into the, into the living room and you walk downhill, Right? Yeah, there, there's all these, these little subtle things that happen in a house if the foundation gets compromised. And, and, and the same is true in our lives. The same is true in our faith. If, if we are not on a solid foundation, if, if, we, um, if, we, you know, if that foundation starts to fail or crumble, then there are all kinds of cracks, there are all kinds of ripples, all kinds of little things that start to, to come up in our lives that are not good. And, and as we look at that, again, I think especially today, especially in our culture, as we look at, at the headlines and look at the world around us and all of this going on, it is never more important than right now that our foundation is solid. Right, and what, our, what is our true source of truth, and what is authoritative in our lives, and what is not. And you know, we, have, we have put that stake in the ground. We have drawn the line in the sand to say that this is God's word. Right, and that what it says, we believe is true. And, and, and that we will stand on that, right, no matter um, how much the culture and world changes around us or tries to redefine what truth is or whatever it is, right? We always go back to the source of known truth from God. And we will stand for that. Hey, because we don't want our lives to start to crumble. Right? And again, to say that, if we start to notice some cracks in my life, start to notice some, some different things in that, that, we, that what we are told what we need to do is go back to the foundation. Right? What is being compromised? Right, that maybe shouldn't be compromised. Okay, is it again, is it my identity? Is it my, you know, my knowledge of God, right? Is it his authority in my life? I mean, there's all these foundational truths, right? As we just we sang that song today that Christ is the cornerstone. Right? And what the cornerstone is means that the entire foundation is built off of that stone. 
right? That's where it starts, right? And everything goes off of that. If first and foremost, it's about Jesus, and next is Scripture is our foundation. Hey, now, we, we know that the foundation is very important, and we get to realize that. And, and, you know, when you think about that, think about, you know, again, if, would you be comfortable in a house if you're not 100% sure that the foundation is solid? Right? Would you be comfortable there? Could you sleep there? Right? Would you hang out in this place? Okay, how would you feel, right, if that's your Airbnb? I don't know. I might not sleep very well that night, right? Okay, we all, again, you put it in that context, and we realize the importance of a foundation, right? Because, again, how solid we feel when we have a good foundation, a foundation that we trust. Again, we've been looking at these core values, looking back to 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. Again, these are our verses where we see all four of these core values present. Okay, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says that all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. And God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Again, as you see, where do we see this core value? Well, it starts with all Scripture. Again, what do we define Scripture as? What is Scripture and what is not Scripture? Okay, and, and again, it, that Scripture, what makes it Scripture is the fact that it is inspired by God. Right? That, that, that it is, um, you know, breathed from, from, his, uh, from his mouth, right? Uh, um, as, it, as it's been written down and passed down, right? And translated. And that God will use that Scripture, Right, to move us forward in our journey, right, and to set a strong foundation in our lives. Again, these verses show the journey. Again, these first few sentences are all inclusive, right? Everybody is welcome. Okay, that, that, again, it's, it's talking about the entire world, it's, it, the, what Scripture will do for us. Okay, the last sentence is focused on God's people. Right? After we find Christ, we receive him in our life and, and invite him into our lives. Right? We bring Jesus into, we surrender our hearts and our minds. We confess our sin and receive his, his grace and his mercy, his forgiveness. Right? As, as we, we commit our lives to him. Right? Then he says, then the real work starts. Right? That's after we join the journey by receiving him as our savior. And then God will start to truly transform us as he prepares and equips his people right, to do every good work. Okay, as we think about, again, this, this idea of Scripture as our, our roadmap, as our foundation in our life, I want to I start this morning with Psalms 119, verse 105. Okay, Psalms 119, it tells us that your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. Again, as we think about God's word, right, God's God's presence, right, and, and his direction and, and how we get that is telling us, right, that it will show us where to go, that it will light where we should move and, and show us what our next steps are, right, on what, again, the destination should be, right, and again, the first and foremost scripture tells us the destination of our lives is God, right, to be made holy like he is holy, to be in a relationship with him. Right? And it's showing, again, it's lighting our path. How do I get there? And as we talk about the Bible, we realize we know that it is a book. It is a book. It is the best-selling book every year. In fact, they don't even include it on the, the New York Times list and all those other ones anymore because it's always number one. 
And that's a great thing, by the way, <laughs> right? And in fact, we don't even know how privileged we are to have access to our own Bibles, right? And again, thank the Lord that we do. And in fact, that, you know, um, in fact, if you don't have your own Bible, I will tell you is that that is one of the greatest privileges, right, and freedoms you have is to read it yourself. In fact, one of the things that, that we support a lot in our world missions is those going to translate scripture and to take it into places where they don't have it in their own language or they don't have access to it. And so again, take advantage of that. If you don't have a Bible, okay, is get one. If you, if you can't get one, tell us and we'll, we will give you one. Okay, and again, because I don't want you to just hear what I say. I want you to take the Bible and read it yourself. Okay, and I want you to check up on me right, with scripture to make sure that I'm teaching you the truth, right, of what scripture says. Okay, so the Bible is a book, but it's not just a book. Okay, in fact, when we, when we look at just the kind of stats of the Bible, okay, is that the Bible is actually a collection of 66 smaller books that have all been put together. Okay, it, it, it has 66 different books. It has six different literary forms included in it by 40 different authors, and, and it spans thousands of years. And yet, all that to, to say right, is that God has orchestrated um, its, its, its creation. Okay, because with all that true, 66 different books, six, six different literary forms, 40 different authors spanning thousands of years, and it doesn't contradict itself. There's only one way that that's possible. Right, and that is with God's divine inspiration. And now again, it was written by humans, right, that were inspired by God, that God worked through them. We see some of the human fingerprints in it as well. We see the different um, personalities in the different authors, right, and the way that they wrote, and again, the literary forms and those different things. And yet, we, we also believe not, it was inspired by God, right, that the Holy Spirit and God himself guided the process of every biblical writer. As we learned in Isaiah 40, verse 8, it tells us that the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. And again, as we think about that and think about all the ramifications of that, we've even truly seen that. In fact, we had a Church of God congregation just a few years ago that literally their entire building burned down. It was literally just a pile of ashes, and, and yet the Bible that was in their sanctuary was uncharged. And again, we can see, hear stories about that, all kinds of things, right? And, and again, sometimes it's as literal as that, but, but yet we realize that this verse is not just that literal. It also means that what is here it will stand forever, right? That it is truth from God, right? That no matter what changes or what we do or how much we mess up the world, right, that God's word will remain, right? Because he is truth and he's the source of truth. Okay, this is our source of known truth. Okay, again, the Bible is not just a book. It is God's story of love and redemption. The Bible is God's story of love and redemption. In fact, I've heard the Bible described as God's love letter to his creation, right, that reveals his plan to redeem us. And I think that's a, that's a very um, accurate description of the Bible. It is God's love letter to his creation that reveals his plan to redeem us. Again, it tells us the truth. And again, there's some criticism, right, saying, oh, the Bible's just made up. 
Well, if somebody made it up, there's a lot of things in the Bible that would not be in there if somebody made it up. Okay, it tells us the ugliness as well as the victories. Okay, one of our core tenets of our Church of God movement is that, that we, uh, we, will not, we, we do not creedalize right, our faith. In fact, that we don't live by creed, we live by God's word. Okay, that God's word is our creed. In fact, I just want to show you this um, just quote out of a book called Media's at the Cross that talks about our Church of God affiliation and the, the foundation for our movement. Okay, as um, this quote says, the stories and teachings of the Bible are not to be creedalized. We would not abbreviate the Bible and its teachings. And though we are tempted to make the Bible a list, a prescription, or a proposition, we remind ourselves that it is instead the book of life, which vibrates with the stories of real persons and the living God. I'm saying we're not going to summarize the Bible down to a creed, right? And saying the Bible is our creed. They, um, again, the stories of the Bible were not made up. There are a lot of details that would have been left out if it was. Okay, but all those details are left in there because these were real people, right? And, and we see their struggles. Even the psalm that Brian read this morning, right, about David's mental health struggles, right? That would not be in there if it was made up, right? We would only talk, because otherwise it would be like social media, right? We only show the good stuff. Okay, but yet it's all in there because these were real people and it tells us the whole truth. Again, the Bible um, is God's story, right, of love and redemption. I want to start, as we think about that, I want to start with the, the story of redemption. Okay, it is what the Bible tells us, right, that God wants to redeem his creation. In fact, if we just kind of step back for a little bit and look at the Bible, the big picture of the Bible, okay, in fact, at how the Bible starts and how the Bible ends. Okay, Genesis 1 and Revelation 22. Okay, both of those, okay, the bookends of the Bible from Genesis one, he is, we start with an unhindered relationship with God in the garden, right? In, in, in God's unhindered presence. And again, where do we end up in Revelation 21 and 22? It is with, once again, in the new heaven and new earth, with, with God in his unhindered presence in heaven, right? Those are the bookends of the Bible. And everything in between the entire Bible, everything in between, is about God's plan to make that happen. Again, what ends in Genesis 3 is where we mess up God's plan, right, with the fall. Okay, that's when sin and death enter the world. Okay, and then in Revelation 20 is where the plan of redemption is completed, right, in the, in the great white throne judgment. And everything in between those two passages is about God getting us back to that point, right? To an unhindered presence and relationship with him. Okay, it is the, it is the story of redemption. Okay, that is the, the topic of the Bible. Right? And again, it, it reveals God, God's plan of how he's going to make that happen. And that plan has a name, right? And that name is Jesus. Right, that, that he said that was the plan of redemption. Okay, we see in, in, in 1 Peter uh, chapter 1. Again, if you have your Bible, I invite you to open with me to 1 Peter. Um, in, in 1 Peter chapter 1, um, we're going to read verses uh, 23 through 25. 
And, and here it says, um, again, it tells us, again, the, the plan of redemption, right, that God has laid out. First Peter uh, 1, again, picking up verse 23, he says, For you have been born again, but not to a life that will quickly end. Your new life will last forever because it comes for the eternal living word of God. And as the scriptures say, people are like grass. Their beauty is like a flower in the field. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And that word is the good news that was preached to you. Again, as we read this description of the gospel, we see that literally this Isaiah passage is quoted here, right? We, you see that, right? But also we see again, what is the plan of redemption? Well, it is the good news. It is the gospel, right? It is the story of Jesus, Right? That is how we find this new life, this eternal life, right? This, this unhindered relationship with God and his presence is through the good news of the gospel. Right? And the good news of the gospel is that Jesus was sent here to earth to redeem us. Right? He, he was the Messiah. He's 100% divine. Right? And he lived a sinless life so he could die in our place. And he took our punishment for our sin. And he, he died on a cross. But he rose again on, on, in, on the third day, right, conquering sin and death for eternity so that we could be saved. Right? And again, when he died on that cross, that veil was torn from the Holy of Holies, saying that, signifying that God's presence is now in the heart of every believer. That is the good news. Right? And it has been preached to you because you just heard it. Right? And now, again, then our job in that, right, how you receive that relationship with God right, and that eternal with him is then to accept that gift of salvation through his grace. Right? And if you've never done that before, you can pray and ask God into your life today and start that, that relationship. Because the reality, right, the message of redemption, Jesus is that message. Okay? And, and again, the entire Bible points to Jesus. In fact, the Old Testament points towards the Messiah. Okay, then we have the Gospels that are right in the middle of our Bible. That's where we start the New Testament. The Gospels, the, the story of Christ, right? They tell about Jesus and his life. And then everything after the Gospels are, are all looking back at the cross, right? About And what will get us to Revelation 21 and 22 with God. Okay, the entire Bible is about Jesus. He is the message. Okay, Colossians 3.16 says that let the message about Christ and all its richness fill our lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Again, Jesus is the story of redemption, and that is what the Bible teaches us. Okay, but not only is it about the story of redemption, okay, but the Bible is also the story of love. Right? It shows us the love of God. Again, and love is not, you know, something that um, it's just an emotion for God in the way it is sometimes for us, right? But love is a part of God's character. It's part of who he is. In fact, we, we see this description of godly um, love, right, of, in 1 Corinthians 13, a very famous passage. And as we think about the, the idea of love and, and think, well, you know, why, um, again, does God love us? If so, why, why would he judge us, right? Why doesn't he just save everybody? I mean, he has the power to do that. And, and, and yet, again, true love, right, um, will, will does forgive, but it also helps us to be better, right? To grow us, right? To be transformed, to be holy like he is holy. 
As we learn in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, these are the verses we already read at the beginning. David, as we look at this, when it describes Scripture, it says that all Scripture, it is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. And God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Okay, and that is a description of true love. Okay, that it will tell us the truth, right? When we are wrong, it will tell us we're wrong. It will show us that we're wrong, right? But it not only tells us, it shows we're wrong, but it also tells us how to correct it, right? How to become, how to get right, right? It corrects us and it teaches us to do what is right. And what is right, again, this is, is God's ways, right? He is the author of life. He's the one that gets to set the rules, he is the Alpha and Omega, right? The beginning and the end, the ultimate authority. Again, we don't get to change the rules, right? God is the authority. He sets the rules. And so he can show us what is right and wrong. And he corrects us when we're wrong, right? And he guides us back to the middle. In fact, when we, when we realize, right, that it's our roadmap, right? It shows us what is right and wrong. It gives us where we are supposed to go. It gives us the boundaries that we should do life in, right? The boundaries where we can experience life and, and walk with God and not get hurt. In fact, when we think about that idea, right, these boundaries that God gives us, the, again, the, the, the boundaries of, of Scripture and the truth that it gives us, right? What is right and what is wrong, right? And God tells us it's wrong because he's like, it will hurt you, right, if you go down the wrong road. And in fact, Scripture gives us the boundaries, right, and they are like the guardrails on a road. And when we, we think about that concept, right, that, again, that if we're doing life with God, we're in the center of God's will, doing life with Jesus and fulfilling everything he's leading us to do, right, we will be right in the middle of that path, right? And if we veer off a little bit, right, then, we, again, we're, God's truth brings us right back to the middle of the road, and, and we're safe there, right? And we can thrive there, and we can be comfortable there. Hey, but again, the, the truth of God's word, right, in his way is he's made those rules of life and the way that we function, right? They're like those guardrails. If they get us going the wrong path, right, get us down the road of steal, kill, and destroy, because that's what sin leads to. And yet if we do that, right, we can bounce off those guardrails, right? And it'll push us back towards Jesus, right? It's those times when God gives us that wake-up call in life. Right? And we realize that, man, I veered off right, from, from the safe parts of, uh, of my lifestyle, right? And, and I'm going down the wrong way. And, and guess what? The guardrails, again, guardrails are, 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 are interesting, right? Because, yes, they will save you from death. Right? You think about a road, right? You go down the road. If you hit the guardrail, okay, it will save you from going off the cliff, won't it? Okay, but you don't leave a, hitting a guardrail unscathed, do you? Right? When you bounce off those guardrails, it still hurts. Right? It's still, there's still damage to your vehicle. Right? I mean, God, again, God protects us with his boundaries. He protects us, right, sometimes from ourselves, from killing ourselves necessarily, right? Down the road of steal, kill, and destroy. Okay? But because he loves us, he doesn't always save us, right, from all of the pain of our decisions. Right? Because that's how we learn. Right? And that's what true love does, right? Is teach us what is right. 
And I tell you, some of you guys know, and you've heard my testimony and my story. I tell you, in, in 2010, um, I wrecked on a dirt bike. And I should have killed myself that day. Okay, I was testing apart. I went around, and I literally rode out of my garage without a helmet on. I was in tennis shoes and a T-shirt. Right, and I went around that. And literally, I drove out of the garage with nothing. And, and I, I still 100% believe to this day... Because I stopped at the end of my driveway and I went back into the garage and I put on my helmet. Okay, and then I got back on that bike and I rode around the corner and I crashed. Okay, and, I, and I got hurt really bad. Okay, I broke my back, I broke my sternum. In fact, my left arm was like surgically rebuilt. I had this huge scar on my arm, which you can't see because I have long sleeves. Okay, and I look at that though and realize, again, that was me bouncing off a guardrail in my life. Okay, because if, I, if the guardrail wouldn't have been there, right, if God wouldn't have done that, I would have went around without a helmet on and I would have killed myself instantly. Okay, and God protected me from me on that day. Right, so I didn't kill myself and I didn't leave three little boys and a wife behind and, and, and a ministry, you know, all this kind of thing, right? God protected me from myself, from my own stupidity. Right, he, he protected me enough to not kill, kill myself. Okay, but... I still, I learned some big lessons that day. Right? Because, again, that, that God made me go back and put on that helmet, and it literally saved my life. And, in fact, if you go in my office, that helmet is sitting on, in my office, right, to remind me, right, to don't bounce off a guardrail again. It hurts. And again, we think about that, right? Is it, and I guess sometimes, right, there's parts of God's word that are hard. Right? There are times when we have to stand up for that and be like, did God really mean that? Yes, he did really mean that. Right? And it's not convenient, right? And, and it's not popular. And, but yet, again, if we bounce off those guardrails and realize, right, that God loves us enough to protect us from ourselves. And he loves us enough to tell us the truth. Hey, because sometimes, right, we just want to hear what we want to hear, right? And yet that's not real love. Right? And yet we can turn our back on God. In fact, there, there's parts, we especially even read it in the Old Testament, that says that, that Israel had no king and they did whatever was right in their own eyes. Okay? And it was a dangerous place for them. And so many times I look at our world and our culture, and I'm like, man, I think we're right back in that same place. Right? Where we have God's not our king, and we just do whatever we want, and we think is right. right? And yet God is here trying to get our attention to tell us the truth. Okay, I want to flip to Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. Okay, Hebrews 4, 12 and 13. It says, for the word of God is alive and powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes, and he is the one to whom we are accountable. Again, as we read those words, right, you're going to have one of two reactions to those words. Right, first off, as you read that, and if you see that, if you're walking in God's will, right, he's working, and, and realizing that, you're like, awesome. Right, like there's nothing that God doesn't know. Like, I, there's, right, or 
You read those words and you're like, oh no. Right? God knows everything. Everything? Really? Okay, but again, it starts, right? It says the word of God is alive and powerful. Okay, and, and again, it gives us this illustration, right, of, of this sword, right, and the, uh, how it will expose everything, right, and that God knows everything, right? And the reality is, as this describes God's word, okay, is, is it's telling us we are supposed to be different every time we read this word. Okay, because think about it, right? If I stabbed you with a sword, your life would never be the same, right? And neither would mine, by the way. Right, but that's exactly what God's word is supposed to do. Right, it's supposed to pierce our hearts. It's supposed to expose our motives and our attitudes. Right, is we are supposed to be changed every time we read these words. Right, and, and as we think about that, right, it's, it's supposed to, again, not just expose, again, it's not exposing what we are to God. God already knows what we are. It's about opening our own eyes to who we are. Right, and about maybe how far I am off from what God wants for me. Right, again, to be corrected, right, to show me what is right. right when you think about this idea, this concept, right, the truth of God's word and what scripture teaches us, right, I think these words of Jesus come alive right, in John 8, 31 and 32, where Jesus says to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings, and then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Right? And I am free to live life going down that road and I don't have to worry about the guardrails because I'm not going to the edges. <laughs> right? And I'm free. I'm free to be who I am. I'm free to do what God created me to do. Right? I, I'm, I know that my foundation is solid. Right? And as we think about that, though, we have to first know the truth. <laughs> right? Which means we've got to read it. We've got to study it. We've got to, you know... I mean, can't get enough of it, right? Know his truth. And then I got to do what it says. Okay, as we think about that, um, okay, here's how do I live out this core value? Right? How do I make scripture a, a, the strong foundation of my life? Okay, the first thing that you need to do, again, just exactly what Jesus says to do is you get to know his truth. Okay, and so how you live this core value out is for you need to make scripture a regular part of your life. Hey, you need to make scripture a regular part of your life. You need to actually read it. You know, one of the things about most books, right? I mean, we all buy books, right? How many, how many books do we actually read? Yeah, I don't know about you, but I like, I like to start books, right? Hey, but again, actually read it, right? Make scripture a regular part of your life. Set up habits in your life that keep you interacting with scripture. Okay, whether that's a, da a daily reading plan, right? Like the verse of the day in your email, right? Like wh whatever it is, just do anything and everything you can to make scripture a regular part of your life. As Psalms 119 verse 11 says, that I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Okay, what keeps us in the center of that road of life is God's word, his truth, right? Of hiding God's word in your heart. The first thing you have to do is you have to put it there, <laughs> Right? You have to read it. You have to put it there. 
Again, how do you hide God's word in your heart? Well, by daily Bible reading, memorizing scripture, deeper Bible study, right? Being in a small group, right? Um, coming to church on a regular basis, right? Whatever it would be, just all, all of the above, okay? Because if you, again, if you don't have your own Bible or you don't have one that you understand, if you have a version that just doesn't make sense to you, okay, then we'll give you one. Okay, go to the info center today and ask for a Bible and we'll give you one. And just get scripture into your life. Again, um, subscribe to it, set it up to get your date. And you can literally, in the YouVersion app, you can set it up to give you email or text message every morning. It'll send you a verse. Okay, like, like, like use everything you can to do that. Yeah, I'll tell you one of the things that we've done, like, is um, we use an expo marker and we write verses, like, on the mirror in our bathroom. I literally wrote one out the other day, right, that I just needed to read. And so every time I'm in the bathroom, I, I see it. Okay, like, do anything you can. Like, I mean, write on a post-it note and put it in your car, right? I mean, just make Scripture a regular part of your life. Okay, and then as you do that, as you hide that word in your heart, make it a regular part of your life. And it is so simple, but yet so hard. Just do what it says. Just, just live it out. Right? Actually do what it says. Okay, because the reality is a map is completely useless if you don't follow it. I mean, we literally have every map of the entire world in our pocket every day, right? And yet, how many times do we still get lost? Right? Because we don't use it. Right? We don't follow it. Right? We have to do what it says for it to really help you. Okay, Psalms 119 verse 9 says, How can a young person stay pure? By obeying God's word. Right? And guess what? That's not true for just young people. Okay, especially if you're young in the faith, Right? follow God's word. If you're, if you're old, right, follow God's word. Obey his word, right? Again, there are parts of scripture that are easy to do, and there are parts of scripture that are hard, that are uncomfortable, that are inconvenient, that are unpopular. We have to do those too, okay? We can't just take the parts of scripture we like and leave the other parts behind, right? And so many times, like, I think we do that, and again, a lot of times we even do that with scripture, right? It's like we have these little verses that, like, we'll throw out at our kids when they get in trouble, Right? But if that's the only time they hear scripture, right, that's not a good thing. Right? And in fact, they're not going to have a good view of God's word if that's the only time they hear scripture, right? They should hear scripture all the time. Right? Again, it's not that you shouldn't use scripture in those times, but that, it better not be the only time they hear it out of your mouth, right, or see it in there, right? It's, again, don't just take out the scripture card when it's convenient, and then just put it away when we don't want it to deal with it. Right? we got to do what it says all the time. Okay, as we think about this, I want to summarize today, and I want to close looking at um, Jesus' word, Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 7. Okay, and this is where, again, this, how Jesus concludes the Sermon on the Mount. Okay, Matthew chapter 7, uh, verses uh, 24 um, through 29, and I just realized I forgot to put it in the PowerPoint. Okay, Matthew 7, okay, verses 24 through 29. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes and the torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. 
But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. And when the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. And when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teachings, for he taught with real authority, quite unlike their teachers of the religious law. Again, Jesus sums up, right, he's teaching the Sermon on the Mount and saying, is your foundation solid? Is your foundation Christ? Is it built on God's word? Because if it's on anything else, it will crumble. Yeah, and that is, again, my final thought for you today is this. Right, that the Bible is God's love letter to his creation, the source of known truths to guide us through our journey. How strong is your foundation? Is your foundation God's word? Is it Jesus himself? Is he your cornerstone? Right, so that no matter what happens in life, right, like the storms come, but it will be solid. Right, if it's not Jesus, if it's not God's word, then make that change today. Right, wherever you're at in your journey, take a step closer to him, right? Commit to that. Receive him as your savior. Commit to saying, I'm gonna make scripture part of my life. I'm gonna get in a Bible study, whatever it is, right? Take a step closer today strengthen your foundation. Lord, we are so thankful, God, for your love. Lord, we are so thankful for your plan of redemption. God, we are so thankful, Lord, for you telling us the truth in Scripture. Lord, I pray that as we go this week, Lord, that we would make your word a regular part of our lives. God, that we would build a stronger foundation, Lord, built on you. And Lord, as we live out your word, God, I pray, Lord, that you would Continue to transform us with your spirit. God, that you would keep us in the middle of that road of life. And God, that even when we bounce off the guardrails, Lord, I thank you that you're there to pick us up, to help us be rebuilt. God, to, to lift us onto solid ground again. And Lord, may you guide us as we go this week, Lord, as we live out our faith every day in every moment, as we shine your light in this dark world, Lord, and stand firmly on the foundation of your word. Thank you, God for scripture. Thank you for Jesus. Lord, thank you for saving us. Lord, and for transforming us every day. And Lord, guide us as we go this week. Lord, and as we show this world what it means to follow you and to follow the roadmap of your word. Guide us as we go in Jesus' name. Amen.